It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Eric, with this whole week in Daily Thunder, we've been kind of fleshing out your message from Sunday. And so the Sunday sermon was, uh, by the way, if they haven't listened to this, the message, they need to go to ellerslie.com and go to sermons and, and, and listen to this message. But we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and kind of kind of fleshing out the works of the Holy Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit actually work practically in our lives? Now, obviously, if you've been in church at any length of time, uh, we talk about the Holy Spirit usually, m- most churches <laughs> at least. <laughs> and a lot of people understand some of the roles of the Holy Spirit. And yet, biblically, there are quite, I mean, there are dozens of roles oh, yeah. of what the Holy Spirit does. One of those in very, uh, in particular, is this idea that the Holy Spirit perfects, he yeah. sanctifies, he he purifies, he cleanses out the life of an individual. Could you maybe even talk and just kind of, even just kind of give us an insight of what does that even mean? Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a word for it uh, that we oftentimes use sort of, you know, it makes you feel smart as a Christian. It makes other people feel intimidated, but sanctification. And sanctification, there's a lot of you know, things and emotions surrounding sanctification because it confuses some people. Some people think that, you know, you come to Jesus, why wouldn't you just be perfect? Because we are clothed in his perfection. And so isn't it okay to just say that we're perfect now? And yet you and I would push back and say, no, we're not going to argue the fact that the clothing of Christ, what he's going to give us in his shed blood is perfect. And his offering was perfect. But underneath that clothing is a very real work that is unfinished. And that's part of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us is, and he seems to even delight in the fact that it's not an immediate work. Like he purposely allows us to grow up and you'll, you'll see even in his creation, he creates seeds that grow into plants. He creates babies that grow into adults. Why does he do that? Why doesn't he just make us full grown? Why doesn't he just make us perfect upon the start? And yet that growth process is just as important as the end product. God seems to delight in the process just as much as what his aim is in the end. And I think it's arguable that, you know, you've had the Christian that asks, so is anyone ever going to be perfect this side of heaven? I think it's the wrong question because we could say, well, likely not, but other than Jesus, right? But At the same time, we also recognize that he is making all of us perfect until the end. And so as a result, we learn to delight in that process. So you and me right now would both be able to honestly declare that we are unfinished business. Whoa, 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 whoa. Settle down. (laughs) We, Eric, Ludy, and Nathan Johnson are works in process. Amen. Which means that God is not done with us. It does not mean we're beginners. We've advanced in that maturity process, so it's unfair to say, well, just because you're unfinished, that means that you haven't even started or that you're just at the beginning. But it's like if we were clearing out a pipeline and say that there was this grace pipeline and God wanted to get all of himself into all of us. Well, there's sediment and there's debris inside of that. And that's what the Holy Spirit is removing. So he's going to start with big things like these massive boulders that are like blockading the flow of grace. And he's going to start with the big things that, you know, if you're a mass murderer, it's probably good that maybe you quit. Right. And so we understand the large things, but then he's going to move to smaller things. 
he goes from boulders to sort of medium-sized rocks. And then he's going to go from medium-sized rocks to sort of that river rock. And then he's going to go from river rock to pebbles. And he's going to go from pebbles to silts. And he's going to go from silt to what? Dust? There's a constant refinement. And for you and I, we recognize that you know, we're not dealing with the big boulders or the medium-sized rocks anymore. Whether or not we have some river rock still is a debatable point, right? But we're, as leaders, there's a responsibility that we have to live uprightly, to live in accordance with the pattern that has been set for us and to set a pattern for others. And yet, even though we are examples, we are also examples of being convicted by the Holy Spirit and responding to that conviction and showing people a model for correcting our mistakes. And that's just as important in our leadership as it is to demonstrate the right way of doing it. And so when we do it the wrong way, then we showcase the right way of making the wrong way right. That was a, <laughs> that even makes sense. And so... You know, my thoughts are constantly being governed by the Spirit of God. I can't just get away with rogue thoughts. The Spirit of God is all over that. He's dealing with very micro-level things in our lives. In other words, we're still being sanctified. We're still being purified. That does not mean that our life as a whole is not the righteousness of Christ. We are clothed in it, which means we have the opportunity to boldly enter the throne room of grace to receive even more of that living river, that river of living water that wants to gush into us and through us. But when it comes into us, and when it comes through us, it's purifying. It's carrying out debris. It's not just showing the love of God to us and then us giving that love outward, it's also coming in with its purifying factors and its purifying abilities and taking that which is not of God and removing it. Praise mm. God for that too. Amen. And I actually think that's something that the church, the modern church misses. In other words, we're so focused on the big boulders, you know, like yeah. the murder and the adultery and, yeah. and, and, you know, the pride or whatever, that we forget that just because maybe God has worked on those things in our lives, we just presume we're fine. We're, mm -hmm. we're like, I'm, I'm good. Like, don't, don't, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, like yeah. We're, we're, I'm fine. And yet the reality is all of us have have this deepening work that God needs to be doing in our life where, yeah, he may have dealt with murder in your life. Praise the Lord, <laughs> right? But now he wants to start to deal with that hatred and then he wants uh -huh. to deal with that frustration and then he wants uh -huh. to deal with the eye rolling. Yeah. And then he wants to deal with just even that motive of that. No one may even see it, but it's just that, yeah. that insight yeah. moment yeah. where he's like, could I, could I have that yeah. as well? Yeah. And, th and that's true in every area of our life. And I think it's sad in the modern culture that we get so wrapped up in only looking at the big blatant sins yeah. that we forget that actually my motive for why I do something, even yeah. if it's a good godly action, yeah. even my motive yeah. could actually still be sinful that or amazing? that thought, you know? Yeah. That you could do the right things. The Pharisees were doing the right things, right. but they were inside uh, as you know dead men's bones basically they were they were filthy on the inside and Jesus is going to say first clean the inside of the cup and this the outside is going to be clean also he's after the inside he wants to purify not just the outcomes but that which is even creating that outcome i think one of the realities of the christian life too is that the more we progress in jesus christ the more we should desire his convicting purifying work in other words it's actually not something to shy away from it should be actually something that we desire and press into because the reality is, is the more I get to know him, the more I actually want to be like him, the more I want, want his work in my life. And so therefore it's like, Lord, search and try my, my life afresh today and see if there's any wickedness, see if there's any impurity, see if there's any, you know, wayward thoughts or motives, attitudes in my life 
that do not measure up against your word, which yeah. then demands that I'm in the word because something has to be the standard, right? Yeah. And so if I'm constantly in the word and allowing God to take my life and measure it against the authority of the word of God, what I soon discover is I'm, I'm still not as I should be. Am, am I rejoicing in all things? Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> do, do, I, do I live with constant peace and do I fear not? Like when I allow God to take my life in every area mm-hmm. and measure it against his word, what I find is that, you know what, there's, there's still actions, there's still thoughts. And I love the fact, and we've used it here before too, but, you know, here's this hose that's been kinked. Yeah. Or a lot of times what I'll just say is there's just a twist that in, yeah. in our lives that, you know, it may have been there for decades. You know, there's a twist that has happened in the past that, that God wants to begin to untwist, but just mm-hmm. like a hose, it, it's easily, it can easily revert back to the twist. Yeah. And so we, we need his constant work, his, his constant grace, his purification to untwist the twistedness mm-hmm. of our lives so that we can actually be as he intends us to yeah, be. I mean, just think about it, the hose illustration. If from that spigot is coming living water, is coming the grace of God, is coming the presence of God in our life then we don't want it to be kinked. We, it's, it's actually hindering what God wants to do in our life. And so when we allow him to touch those spots, it's not just because he, he loves to remove kinks, this is his great uh, role. It's that he loves to remove kinks so that we can receive him and more of him. The book of Ezekiel is sort of what I am basing the Sunday sermon message. I don't even know if we gave the title of it. It's an, it was called An Exceedingly Great Army. And which comes out of Ezekiel 37. But there's another uh, picture that comes out of Ezekiel 47, which is showing this living river gushing out of the temple of God. And I just wanted us to watch a, a clip from Sunday's message about that. So what we see in the book of Ezekiel is we're going to see a river and it's going to flood out of a, a temple that was actually never built here on earth. That's why it's oftentimes called the Ezekiel temple or the heavenly temple. And out of it is going to gush a river. Sort of strange to see a river gushing out of a house, right? And yet out of this house, the temple of God is going to gush a river. And it is an ever-deepening river. And so this angel of God is going to take Ezekiel and they're going to measure a thousand cubits and they're going to walk and it's up to their ankles. And they're going to measure another thousand cubits and it's going to be up to their knees. And they're going to measure another thousand cubits and up to their waist. And then they're going to measure another and it's too deep to, to stand in. So now they're swimming in it. Basically what you're seeing is the Holy Spirit. That river is going to be likened to the Holy Spirit. John's actually going to refer, or Jesus is going to refer in the book of John that out of, those that believe in Christ, out of their innermost man, of their bellies is going to flow rivers of living water. Temple, gushing river. And then he's going to say, that's the Holy Spirit. So what we see in the book of Ezekiel is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And what is it? It's an ever deepening river. The river's there. It's all available. However, to access the depths of it, what do you need to do? You need to walk in obedience. Well, you have a thousand cubits in front of you. Why don't you start walking? Why don't you take advantage of what you do have and it'll get ever deeper, deeper as opposed to saying, how come they have such grace in their life and I don't? Well, what have you done with the little you do have? Are you exercising it? Are you proving faithful? Think about all the parables that Jesus gives. He's going to give like some minas, some talents of gold, and then he's going to test them. What are you going to do with that? That's grace. It's not money. So many in the American culture want to say that that's money and how we handle our stewardship of money. I'm not going to say it doesn't count towards that. However, it's the kingdom of heaven that's being likened. We are given grace. We are given the power of God. We are given what we need to live this life. What are we doing with it? Eric, I love that picture from Ezekiel 47. And there's really two things I love for us to unpack if that's possible. 
one is actually something you didn't mention, but as, as I was listening to you preach the message, my mind just was like, wow, this is such a great picture of all this stuff that we've been talking about, especially for this particular episode in terms of the Holy Spirit coming in and actually doing this deep work in our life. But when you read Ezekiel 47, what's interesting is that same river flows down to the sea. And if you trace it all down, it's actually the Dead Sea, which is on the backside of Jerusalem. And it's amazing. It says that that same river, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit, comes into this place of death mm-hmm. and actually produces life. And so it's going to be teeming with all these fish and all these all these animals of life, just like the Mediterranean or just like the ocean. Yeah. And it's a, I think it's an incredible picture of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in each of us, that the Holy Spirit wants to flow into our lives and take every area of death, uh, every area of twistedness, every area mm-hmm. of destruction, and actually make it teeming with Amen. life. I think it's a beautiful picture. Amen. And the other angle from that is the ever deepening concept yep. is, you know, a lot of Christians have debated over, uh, you know, it's called the second blessing. It's like, okay, well, you have the Holy Spirit of conversion, but you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need a second blessing. And I would say it's somewhat of a distraction over, from what I would say is the way the Holy Spirit works, which is it's ever deepening. And so we're always walking in more grace as we are faithful with the little that we've received. So the whole river is available to us, but we, to access it, we need to move forward in agreement with it and in obedience to it. And so if at first we're just up to our ankles, well, praise God, that's what we have. And the Holy Spirit is working in us and he's saying forward, onward march. And as we go, it gets deeper and deeper. And one of the things you'd notice with that is there is... With every step forward, there's less of me being seen and there's more of the river. And so as I progress, pretty soon it comes up to my chin, right? And there's less of me and there's more of God. And I don't know, maybe maybe I ultimately get dunked in it and you don't see any of Eric, you only see God. But the point is, just like John the Baptist says, that I may decrease that he would increase. And that is our desire. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. So we're talking about it being a purifying work. It's a a work that removes self so that it can establish Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's like what he specializes in is he's a promoter of Jesus Christ. Mm, what an incredible, incredible picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love for us to play a clip from Leslie. Leslie had come in, came in and, and was talking about the difference between conviction and condemnation, which I think is an important conversation in this because we need to know the difference. Absolutely. And just maybe as a fun thought, Leslie's conference is coming up in just a couple of months in June. And I would highly encourage any of the ladies who are listening to check check out the Set Apart conference that's coming up because I think it's going to be a really rich, just an empowering weekend of going after Jesus Christ and allowing even just this idea of the refinement of the Holy Spirit to work deep in your life. And if you want to learn more information about that conference, you can find more information at ellersley.com forward slash daily. But let's listen to this clip from Leslie and then we can talk through it. One of the most important truths I've learned in my own life is the difference between conviction and condemnation. One of the key roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to convict us of sin, to purge that dross out of our lives, to gently point those things out that are standing in the way of our forward movement with Jesus Christ. And really the process of discipleship, the process of the work of the Spirit of God in our lives is to constantly 
put self out of the way so that Christ could be seen more and more. I must decrease so that he would increase is what John the Baptist said. And that's really that, that constant refining of the Holy Spirit to say, okay, that's selfish and that's fleshly. Let's purge that out of your life and replace it with the light and the love and the pattern and the nature of Jesus Christ. The more we respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the more Christ-like we become. But a lot of times we want to shy away from that prick of conviction that makes us more like Jesus because the enemy brings condemnation. And a lot of times we get the two things confused. So we don't want to feel any guilt. We don't want to feel any prick or sting over our sin or our selfishness because we're so used to the enemy like screaming in our ear about all of our failures and shortcomings. And it's been really important for me to understand the nature of God versus the nature of the enemy. When the Holy Spirit convicts us, it is this sweet, gentle, sometimes uncomfortable prick of conviction within our soul that says, I love you too much to leave you like this. I want to bring this to the surface and gently cleanse that out of your life. Will you respond to that? Will you say yes to that cleansing process? And it always has hope associated with it. The purpose of conviction is to draw us into a deeper intimacy with Jesus Christ. It's not to just beat us over the head with all of our faults and rub our nose in all of our faults and make us feel horrible. It's to draw us closer to Jesus and make us more like him. It's it's the work of a loving father. As it says in scripture, the, the father who delights in his son corrects and disciplines him. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's a very beautiful process. The work of the enemy is condemnation. It's very accusatory. It's very harsh. It doesn't have any hope associated with it. It's just, you're a failure. You're hopeless. There's no hope for you. You're a mess. God could never love you. That's the voice of condemnation. So to tune out the voice of condemnation, that never comes from God. That is not the work of the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, to be open and pliable to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, whenever we feel that slight discomfort, like God is putting his finger on something to say, yes, Lord, I want you to cleanse this out of my life. The most important times in my life of spiritual growth have been when I've responded to that gentle conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I said, okay, Lord, show me what needs to be made right. And I'll, I'll be reminded of things maybe in my past that where I, I did something hurtful to someone and I never made it right. And God will say, you know, make that right with that person or some habitual low level sin in my life that I've been kind of overlooking and not really paying much attention to. God will say, it's time to change your patterns. And repentance means turn and walk the other direction by God's grace. So he supplies that conviction and then he supplies the grace, the strength to turn and walk in the other direction. So I think of a time when I was maybe 16 or 17 years old, where God really took me through a cleansing and purging process. I just sort of laid my life open before God and said, shine your searchlight into every area of my life. And he began to point out these things very gently, very lovingly, but I knew, okay, this needs to be made right. Okay. This habit needs to go. And just going through that process of, of the refiner's fire. And I gained such a depth of intimacy with Christ that I had never had before. And then fast forward several years later, when I was married, we were in full-time ministry, but I had grown kind of lax. I had sort of left my first love, as it says in Revelation, and just be kind of gone on autopilot in my spiritual life. And, and again, the Holy Spirit began to convict me and show me, okay, you are not, you are letting your spiritual fire fade to a flicker. It is time to replace these mindless, meaningless activities in your life with going after Jesus Christ, going after the things of God. So again, walking through that purifying and refining process actually brought so much strength and life and hope and vitality into my spiritual life. And every time I've responded to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I've grown closer to Jesus Christ. 
I've gained boldness in my Christianity, and I've had a clear sense of forward movement with God. So I would encourage you this week to say no to the voice of condemnation and yes to the gentle conviction of the Holy Spirit. It is life-changing. I really appreciate how Leslie differentiates between the two, that condemnation always pulls us from God, and yet conviction brings hope and actually draws us to him, even though it's going to be painful at times. I think it's a really important realization that it's not that conviction's easy. It's not that it's just, you know, uh, bunny rabbits and skittles falling from the sky. <laughs> conviction can actually be very painful. Uh, and yet I love what Revelation, I think chapter two says, Jesus says, to those whom I love, and it's actually yeah. the word phileo, it's this friendship kind of love. To yeah. those whom I'm in best friend relationship with, I convict. In other words, he brings this awareness. And then he also, so he rebukes and he, he brings about a correction. And so I think it's a reminder. It's a beautiful thing that when we're in relationship with Jesus, he is very faithful to bring that conviction. He opens our eyes to the junk, but then he also brings the correction that we need, not a mean, nasty correction, but he brings that which is needed so that our lives will be turned. Absolutely. And I, I think the personal testimony that we could both share is that as we have heeded that conviction, liberty comes, Amen. life comes, fruitfulness comes. It's a good thing in our life. And so for me, I, I still remember way back in the beginning of my journey with Christ, making a decision to cherish conviction. Like I always teach my kids when I'm disciplining my kids, it's like, what I want for you is that you would be appreciative of the fact that daddy loves you so much to do this for you. And not every dad uh, is there and present and loving enough and cares enough to discipline. But so what I really want is that you would be appreciative. And that's the same way I think God looks at us. It's like, I, could you appreciate the fact that I'm I'm convicting you right now instead of grumbling about it? And I started just appreciating the fact that God loved me so much that he was pursuing these, these small granular level things in my life saying, Eric, that matters. And would you allow it to matter to you? And I tell you what, it does change things when you start calling the Holy Spirit's conviction sweet. Hmm. That's so beautiful. Well, I think just as a, maybe as a summary, I, I would really desire everyone who's listening to almost freshly surrender their, I mean, open their hands, surrender themselves afresh to Jesus, find themselves in a place of humility at the foot of the cross and just say, Lord, would you freshly this day search and try my heart? Uh, look, look at every crevice, open up every door, open up every drawer and let there not be any areas of shadow or darkness or perversion or twistedness to remain in my life. And I think if all of us would have that desire, like Ezekiel, to keep going deeper, Amen. what we'll find is that though he will refine us at greater and greater levels, that he's moving from those big boulders to fine dust particles, yeah. that there's a sweetness and a joy and a life abundant as we're getting to know him and as he's purifying and sanctifying our lives. Amen. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.